Michael Osterlink here, and I'm sitting with Michael Jaco. He is a 24-year veteran of the Elite Navy SEALs. Michael served with several different commands throughout his career of note in SEAL Team 6 as a Red Assault Team Chief, creator of the SEAL Team's first hand-to-hand -hand combat course, operations chief for, for three different SEAL commands, and leading chief of the first phase Hell Week of SEAL Training Buds. Michael also served in the CIA as a security officer for 11 years, supporting military combat operations, and was instrumental in helping to locate many terrorists, including Osama bin Laden. Michael honed his unique intuitive skills in combat zones around the world. He now shares his knowledge in books and the two-day Unleashing Intuition course. How you doing, Michael? Great, Michael. Thanks for having me. Definitely, definitely. And I just uh, I want to note uh, your two books. One is called The Intuitive Warrior. Lessons from a Navy SEAL on Unleashing Your Hidden Potential. And the second is Awakening of a Warrior, Past Lives of a Navy SEAL Remembered. So, Michael, obviously intuition is a huge part of your life. You teach it in a two-day program. You've written books about it. What led you to this path of, of intuition, such an important part of your life? Well, intuition, I think, uh, starts to get, a, for me, it, it was awakened first when I went through Navy SEAL training. And uh, it wasn't until many years later that I started to reflect on it as a, uh, as a BUDS instructor. And I started to see other people starting to tap into this ability that is like, there's something that we're tapping into that's beyond the normal, beyond the physical. Of course, we, uh, in SEAL training, we go like 10 times beyond the, the physical norm of a human being. But why is that? How is that? And that's tapping into the creative aspect of the mind, the right brain mind and that's a lot of things I talk about in my books and in my courses and stuff like that so uh, tapping into the most uh, advanced area of our consciousness which is the intuitive self is extremely amazing so let me ask you about that because it seemed to me that you you learn to utilize it while you're a seal and I would have to imagine also when you're working for the CIA but utilizing a skill like that is different than recognizing your use of the skill and developing it as a, you know, as a tool to teach other people. So what led you to see it as something that you're utilizing for yourself, for your, you know, in combat and other situations, to saying, wow, this is something that can be developed. It's really important to be developed. I should write about it and create courses around it. Yeah, that's, uh, that's definitely what happened over time. I, I started developing it more and I started to recognize it more. What really happened for me uh, when, when I was in combat zones, uh, protecting uh, dignitaries after I got out of the SEAL teams, I was in the CIA uh, doing contract security work. Uh, I started to recognize that I knew when attacks were going to happen long before they were, were coming. And uh, I noticed that in other people throughout time, too, that, that I've worked with. Usually uh, co other combat veterans, like uh, Vietnam veterans, I, I was uh, fortunate to work with some of them over the years, but really that pushing into those zones, is like, you know, you, that survival mode, it really makes you uh, uh, tap into some things that you normally wouldn't tap into. But I have, I've learned that anyone can tap into them. I've been teaching it for a while now. And uh, I thought, God, I gotta share this with other people. It's kind of like, you know, being a SEAL instructor, you kind of share your experiences with other SEALs. And I saw that this could benefit uh, humankind as a whole. Let's uh, let's step back and why don't you define for us what you mean by intuition? Intuition is a knowing without knowing with the five senses. It's beyond the five senses. So you and intuition can come in in a lot of different ways. For me, it would start as a gut 
instinct, uh, gut. As I found out that we actually have uh, neurons around our gut, millions of neurons around mm -hmm. our gut, just like we do in our brains. And some people call it the second brain. So uh, I would get these these kind of like spider spider spider, <laughs> spider senses, you know, kind of like a little tingling in the gut. And I'm like, oh, what's something's up? So I would kind of focus on what would come through. And for me, it came through as visions. I would actually see uh, in the future an attack that was coming, sometimes a week in advance. And I would see them in detail, I mean, down to like the minute that they were going to happen, how they would happen. And I would tell my teams and we'd stay away from those areas. And sure enough, they would, they would happen as I uh, visualize them. Wow. So, you, so you're, you're not even just talking about kind of an immediate apprehension of something that is occurring within a, like a geographical close space, but you're talking kind of prophetic, like hours, days, and weeks later. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I saw it in, uh, like, like I said, the Vietnam vets. They had just amazing abilities. They could hear things that were, I mean, some of these guys were almost deaf, and they were hearing things long before any of the rest of us were hearing them. So, uh, and they would, they would tell us, you know, like we would have like, uh, training ambushes and stuff that were set up for us and they would tell us where they were. It's like, Oh, up ahead, that's, that's where they get the ambush set up. So like, wow, how are these guys picking up on that stuff? But there's, uh, there's subtle things within the environment that our brains subconsciously pick up. And then there's, there's things that are, are beyond, you know, the, the norm, kind of like on the timeline, you start to. Remote, I, I'm a remote viewer as well, so I can actually see things in the distance, and I would see like attacks set up real time in the distance. Wow. So, do you make a distinction between intuition, where you have a, an apprehension, um, maybe uh, your consciousness at some level is picking up signals in the environment, and remote viewing? Or do you make a distinction between those two things, or how do you see them as connected? Uh, I can I can do them uh, separately or uh, in conjunction with each other. So, for instance, uh, before we would go out on the road for uh, going down the highway called Kadisha Highway in uh, Iraq, and it's the scene of uh, many many bombings and uh, terrorist attacks and ambushes and stuff like that. So, before my team would go out, I would like visualize down the road, and I by if it was clean, then I would be like, okay, let's go. But if I would see things, I could actually see, like I was, you know, like a little, you know, drone ship going down. The, my consciousness would go down the go down the road. If I could see th something on the on the road that was like, you know, gave me the the tingle sense, I'd be like, okay, we got to wait. And sure enough, uh, there'd be an attack uh, during the time frame we were supposed to be going down there. So. <clears throat> Wow. Well, thank goodness you have <laughs> the spider sense or the, these superpowers of sorts. Um, back to the, so I, I want to make a distinction then have you, have you discuss both. So I can understand kind of evolutionarily why, how our, our consciousness might pick up signals in the environment, especially temporarily located, you know, near you, um, process information really quickly and then give you these, you know, through the enteric nervous system, the gut, you know, these like, wow, something's down there that your conscious mind might not be aware of, but you know, there's other parts of your brain that are function that pick this information up. That makes sense to me because, you know, survival uh, capability that we needed, whether whatever environment we we're in, um, you know, for the past tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of years. But the remote viewing, that seems, uh, quote unquote, more supernatural. How might you explain that in terms of, like, the distinction between that I'm attempting to make, if it's even a useful distinction to make. 
in terms of survival strategies and such. Yeah, you just described it, <clears throat> excuse me, very well. Um, basically, what I do is, like this body senses happen, uh, the gut, you know, the, the gut tightness. Uh, I send the consciousness out. I, I develop that over time. It's like working a muscle. You, um, you kind of, it's kind of like an imagination. You send your, well, what might be down there? You kind of send your imagination down there, and you start to pick. I started to pick stuff up, and it was like it was actually, you know, my. It wasn't just my imagination. It was like really something going on, and. Uh, over time, I developed it more and more and more, and it became not just, you know, just moments before we went down the highway, but, you know, days before these things happened, weeks before they happened. It was just, you know, I just got stronger and stronger with this ability and uh, just, you know, started directing in other aspects of my life. So uh, metaphysically, I don't know if you uh, you spend a lot of time thinking in terms of what this means for metaphysics, what's the nature of reality, what's the nature of consciousness. But how might you explain how this, like the mechanism of action, have you thought about that? Or is it just something that you're, you use, obviously quite well, thank, thankfully, and that you can teach, but you don't necessarily jump into like how this works, uh, the mechanism of action. Is it quantum or some other kind of mechanism that, that, that allows, that, you know, the, are, are breaking the paradigm of how we think about time and space, conventionally right. speaking? If, if we're going to talk about it on the scientific level, because it's beyond science, we're, we're kind of going into the quantum field level. Okay. So um, science can only take us <clears throat> so far with this, this information. So we're actually tapping into uh, deeper states of consciousness, higher states of consciousness, kind of going into the realm of like the, the great teachers, you know, mm -hmm. Jesus and the Buddha and stuff like that. So when we go into those guys, those guys obviously had consciousness levels that were extremely high. How did they get there? They taught it, you know, to other people. Uh, we have it in Buddhism and Christianity today. Also, throughout uh, time, there's been other teachers, you know, philosophers that have taught this information as well. So consciousness level will only go so far in the scientific realm. Uh, Dr. David Hawkins, he does a really good job of a uh, mm -hmm. map of consciousness. I actually have that on my website. He has a there's a little bit of uh, information about him in there. But 499 is like the highest level we can go in the scientific realm of consciousness. That's the Einstein and Newtonian level. So both those guys, you know, obviously very intelligent, very high up in the scale of consciousness. But you can only go so far. So once you start to go in these other realms, this quantum field, that unfortunately Einstein actually, you know, dissed quantum mechanics and quantum physics. Uh, to his detriment because he could have gone further with his information. So that's where I'm going with this realm. Um, so think about like a Navy SEAL. Just on a basic level, I'm putting guys in the water that is like super cold. I mean, the body should not be able to handle being in the water as long as they are. But once you're in that water, that cold water, you kind of go into a different state. Your body cannot go but so far, but your conscious mind uh, on a higher level can take you to different levels. And that's what, uh, at, a, at a basic level, on the SEAL level, and started pushing guys when I was an instructor into those levels and started recognizing that. I could look at a guy and go, God, this guy is like, he's such a stud. He's going to like you know, crush SEAL training. And he, those guys are some of the first guys to quit. <clears throat> the guys that I would look at, you can never tell what's deep inside them. The guys that I look at and go, wow, oh, this guy's going to fail right away. They were going into the, they would learn how to go in these deep states of consciousness and they would excel. So that's kind of on a basic level what you're doing. Higher states of consciousness, uh, relaxing, allowing these states to come through, not pushing them away like some guys do. Like 
just like, oh, it's so cold, I can't do this, you know? So, yeah, you can't. But other guys have done it, and if you relax and let it happen, then it will come through. So, the, the, just what you just described in terms of the, the cold water, cold water immersion, and forcing someone either to enter the state or they don't, and then they fail because they're unable right. to succeed. Um, I have to imagine though, that there are t- <laughs> when you, when you do your two day workshop, you're not throwing people in, in buckets of ice water or in the Arctic. Uh, how do you help in people induce these states of consciousness so they can learn to feel comfortable in them, manage them, and then play around inside of them? That's that's great. Basically, meditation. Meditation is a great way to enter these states of consciousness. It's the way that I started to go deeper into them. Uh, I meditate every after every lecture. There's a meditation where I, uh, I have everybody relax the body and then I have them focus. So basically, what we're doing is we're kind of Letting the conscious mind, the little monkey mind, you know, we kind of let it let it relax, quiet it down, and let the higher states of consciousness come through and absorb this information that I teach. And then once we've, uh, you know, once we've established this, you start to build what I call a uh, a reference point in your brain, mm-hmm. so you can go to these states at will. And that's what I did uh, when I started teaching the hand to hand course. Uh, I started teaching guys how to go. Same thing, forcing them into these states of a higher consciousness, what I call the alpha brainwave states. So alpha brainwave states are the more conscious side of the brain, the right brain thinking, the you know, intuitive, the, the um, artistic side of the brain, uh, left side being the analytical part. So we need both of those to you know, function in this realm, but you can go into these higher states of consciousness at will. So I build that landmark within the brain, uh, the neurons, and then you're able to go to it faster and faster and faster over time. Would you say what you're describing as alpha states, and I have to imagine that the what you call left brain was more beta oriented, uh, but the alpha states being more like what we would might be called flow states? Absolutely. That's okay. fantastic. Yeah, that's beautiful. Okay. And that, that the flow information is uh, is just right there with what I'm talking about, the intuitive states of consciousness. Got it. Uh, on a side note, have you ever uh, floated in a sense of deprivation tank? I did it just recently. Very good. That's a great, great question. Uh, and uh, your consciousness really can expand there because you're just kind of floating there. Beautiful. Have you done that as well? For uh, 20 years on and off. Oh my gosh, that's great. Yeah. yeah well, I just discovered it. It's fantastic. Yeah, it just sounds like a perfect tool for what you do do and you teach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And wait, and so, so I'm, I'm curious. You've been, you've been teaching for a while and, I, and I'm wondering if you've seen um, based due to kind of social media and electronic information and iPhones and all these kind of devices, is it more challenging for people today than maybe 10 years ago or 15 years ago um, to get into these states because they're so kind of dopamine oriented and looking for that next immediate rush? Or is there no difference due to the changes in our culture and technology? No, I think the, uh, the information age is actually expanding it. For, for me, I can actually go in and find information a lot faster, uh, these deeper states of uh, consciousness information that I'm talking about now. You can find all this stuff on uh, the Internet very rapidly. I remember before the Internet, I was like, I, you know, was avid reader. Uh, I'd read, you know, you know, 100, 200 books a year, uh, you know, delving into this information. It was a very slow process, but now you can actually speed that process up. So. The, the brainwave states, I think, that we're activating, yes, they're, they're more um, beta-oriented, uh, like we were just talking about, the left brain. But uh, 
because there's so much information uh, and wisdom that's out there now, you can actually go into these states a lot faster or get the information to go into these states a lot faster. I mean, there's meditations online that they were, were not available before. Uh, uh, just amazing. You can just type in meditation and uh, you can have, you know, a uh, thousand med different types of meditation right. online. So right. It's really good. Yeah. And let me actually clarify my question because maybe I wasn't clear. Obviously, it wasn't clear. Um, so, yeah, I completely understand what you're saying in terms of there's more information available online so you can learn about these states of consciousness and tools and practices and techniques. But I'm just wondering, you know, since so many people are now so engrossed in their cell phones, doing social media, Twitter, Facebook, texting, you know, whatever else people do on their cell phones, and they're always looking for that next, like, dopamine rush, you know, did my, did my phone buzz? Did my, did I, did I get a, a tweet at me? Did I get a text? You know, always in, into these devices or laptops or iPads, whatever it happens to be. I'm wondering if that makes it more challenging for people to enter into these states because they're yeah. so hyped up on the technology. Yeah, I have noticed that people that are very much into technology, it's harder for them to go into these states because uh, they're so engrossed into, I, I had, like when I used to teach, uh, I used to teach a week-long course, and I used to put people in, uh, you know, freezing cold streams and do the hell week-like stuff, just like I did in, uh, in Buzz, but at a higher level, actually, because I was putting them in this brain state so they could handle the information a lot faster, and uh, uh, the body could handle the, the stress more. But uh, I noticed that people with uh, a high level of uh, computer background really did have a hard time going into these states. It was, it was more of a challenge for them, whereas everybody else was, uh, you know, kind of excelling, uh, moving along. They would be, like, fumbling around, and, you know, it, it was definitely diff difficult. That's quite interesting and quite completely not surprising um, that people who like that dopamine rush would find it challenging just to sit still with, without it <laughs> and sit with their own uh, internal experiences and such. So what kind of people are attracted to your training you know, what, what do they expect to get out of it? And what do they in fact get out of it? Well, it's pretty it's interesting. I've, I've taught people, uh, of all, you know, different, you know, mentalities. Uh, when I was in the CIA, I would, I would teach guys and you can imagine, uh, CIA case officers, uh, that would do the intel intelligence gathering were a lot of them are lawyers, a lot of them very, you know, um, alpha brain centric. Uh, so, are, are more beta brain centric, uh, left brain. So it's kind of hard to get some of those guys online. So when they started to see me make these predictions, uh, in the future, and then they, they started to unfold, they're like, I don't know what you're doing. I don't understand it, but I'm, I'm listening. What do you, what do you got to teach? So uh, a lot of those guys started to pick up on the stuff that I was doing. And were able to, uh, uh, do a lot better, uh, with their intelligence gathering. Uh, because when you're in these higher states of consciousness, it's very hard for people to fool you, to uh, give you false information, because you're in the level of truth. The higher levels are, are levels of truth, you know, the levels of, of the Buddha and, the, and, the, and Jesus and so forth. There, there were truth tellers, you know, they told the truth to, the, to humanity. So once you're in these higher states of consciousness, it's very, very hard for people to give you false information. I can look at the news and go, oh, that's false. Uh, I can, you know, politicians, you know, say, we're gonna do this, and I'm like, oh, you're false. Uh, and then occasionally somebody will say something. I'm like, huh, there's truth there. So it's, it's kind of nice to see that. Uh, that's another uh, caveat of uh, going into these higher states of consciousness. You get uh, the truth for everything. 
I knew when the stock market was going to crash the last couple of times. I got all my stuff out. Boom, it crashed. I'm like, wow. Yeah. Holy damn. That's amazing. Um, I was going to joke with you to say that you probably don't turn on the TV and watch uh, the news or politicians speak anymore because you know it's full of crap. <laughs> yeah, you got to keep, you gotta keep the, uh, uh, your finger to see what's going on in the world. So, uh, yeah, I still watch and still, uh, you know, shake my head. It's even worse overseas. I, I mean, when I was in the Middle East, uh, all of us would, would just shake our heads and go, oh, my God, how can they not see how obvious this stuff is? And then I come back home and I'm like, Oh my God, they're doing it here too, you know. So yeah, right. Uh, you know, I always thought that you know the news was uh, you know the truth. They were just reporting what they found, but you know, you can start you start to see the manipulations. So that's not, like I said, another caveat of having this information being higher states of uh, awareness. So besides uh, training special operators and intelligence officers, um, who, who else is who else has been attracted to your work? What uh, really surprised me at first, because I thought when I, my uh, intuitive warrior came out, I was going to, uh, you know, appeal to military types and law enforcement and so forth. Uh, a lot of women liked the book, and they liked reading the book, and then they give it to their men and go, "See, this is how I am. This is what, <laughs> mm-hmm. this is what I've been talking about all these years, trying to get you to understand." So they were like, "Here's a guy that you know, you know, is tapping into this stuff, and uh, you know, I'd like for you to read it." And so that's. A lot of a lot of women are, are, are very attracted to this information. So uh, you know, it's, it was surprising me, like I said at first, but now it's it's totally uh, comprehensible. You know why they would be. Do, do do they find it challenging to because the our culture doesn't validate intuition, um, and, and perhaps even less so women's intuition, to actually develop their own and then express it in a in a public setting. Yeah, and that's one of the things I, uh, I talk about in my, my lectures. Uh, sharing your intuitive insights, of course, you don't share them with people that are obviously don't believe in the information and would uh, you know, be negative towards it. Uh, but sharing your information seems to unleash it even more. It, it brings out more because I guess you're, you're sharing what's been shared with you, so more is given to you. Wow. And it's kind of uh, the way I've seen it over time for myself. And when I give it to others and then they start to connect with it, they do the same thing. So yeah, sharing that information is uh, it gives an outlet for people. Uh, because I've shared it, I think more people are able to share it. So it, it, it's it's you know, starting to uh, really come into society into consciousness more than ever before. Well, I have to imagine you being a warrior um, sets the stage for permission giving. Like if wow, if he can do this and it's acceptable, and not so crazy California woo woo stuff, that it must be okay to train this stuff up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when I first started doing it, for me, because I was, you know, the warrior type, very uh, analytical, uh, doing things, you know, a certain way. Uh, when this stuff started coming through, it, it kind of shocked me at first. Uh, over time, like I said, it was very valuable. So I started to, uh, you know, develop it even more and then uh, share it. And that's that's where I am now. I think sharing it is uh, is very rewarding. Uh, throughout time, you know, the, the great masters throughout time have shared their information, and uh, fortunately, we, we benefit from it today. I think the philosophers, some of the philosophers, like we look at Plato, Aristotle, and so forth, their information was, uh, I mean, they reached the highest level of consciousness, you know, thousands of years ago. And that's as far as that information can go uh, on the analytical level. Uh, if you go back a little bit further in time to uh, philosophers such as Parmenides, Parmenides kind of have a, had a similar experience that I did. I had a Archangel Michael near-death experience, 
where I actually saw my dead, saw my body die. And then uh, I looked in, I looked up and there was Archangel Michael and I looked in his eyes and boom, shot this powerful energy into me. And from that point on, I just had these amazing gifts to start to unfold like, like we've been talking about. Uh, I think that everyone has that ability to tap into that. Parmenides was a philosopher before, actually taught Socrates. And, uh, and Socrates was like, well, we're going to take Parmenides' information. We're just going to go basically analytical with it. Uh, we're going to take out the, because uh, Parmenides had seen uh, uh, angelic, had gone to the angelic realms as well and brought back information. Kind of like what I've done. So, yeah, right, right, right. Uh, yeah, so it's, uh, it's, it's rewarding to see that you know, throughout time, their you know, humanity has advanced to a certain level. And now I think we're on the verge of a new, like I say in my, my website, it's a renaissance of consciousness. So we're reaching a point where we're really to, ready to take off to a, a very high level in consciousness. Uh, speaking of your website, what, what is your URL? Uh, it's www.unleashingintuition.com. Sweet. You know, one thing I've seen you talk about is uh, fasting as a tool for your work. Can you speak a little bit about that? Absolutely. I, the first time I fasted to a great extent was when I did American Indian Vision Quest. The Vision Quest is a four-day event where you fast for four days. Up to that point, I'd you know fasted a day or something like that. And I thought that was a long time, but when I did the four-day Vision Quest, that was quite an event. Uh, the, the mind, the analytical mind, is always telling me, oh, you don't need this information, you know, you, because what you're doing a vision quest is you're looking for a vision in your life to so take your life to a new, new level. And uh, I'd always been attracted to American Indian information, so I finally got to do one of these things. So, like, the first couple of days, you know, you get the, oh, you get out of here, you know, why are you starving yourself? You know, you kind of hear the mind just chatter, chatter, chatter. And then eventually it started to slow down, it started to get calm, and then it was quiet. And then my my uh, intuitive side, uh, the right brain, really started coming in and dumping information down to me that I have been like searching my whole life for. And then it was just revealed to me, was, oh, all this stuff. I'm like, wow. So fasting, uh, basically the same things like you know, seal training. You put the guys in the water and they have to they're forced to uh, shut down the analytical side of the brain and go into these higher states of consciousness to be able to perform. It's the same thing with fasting. Fasting, basically, you're you're telling your body, I'm in charge. Your ego, you're telling your ego and your mind, I'm in charge, and we're gonna just fast. And fasting is good for you on you know, many different levels. Cleansing the body, giving your giving your organs a break from, from eating so much. Uh, there's lots of uh, you know dopamines and stuff that are released from the brain. So fasting, I did the longest I think I've done is uh, like a nine day fast, and just just phenomenal results from it. I can't speak highly enough for it. Now, for your training, is there a particular diet you recommend for individuals to help them develop and uh, their, their intuitive capacities? Speaking of food. Yeah, very good. Um, I think that uh, fluoride, fluoride in toothpaste, fluoride in the water, so forth, you need, you need to cut that out because basically what happens, it uh, calcifies the pineal gland. Mm -hmm. The pineal gland in the center of your brain is like the third eye. We've heard this throughout time. Mystics have talked about the third eye. Hmm. Um, the third eye is, is our communication with, uh, with source, with God, uh, back and forth. So fluoride and other, other things will actually calcify it. If you look at the pineal gland, it actually has um, 
it has, actually has a crystalline structure like an antenna in your cell phone. So it's, it is definitely a, a communication device. So uh, I've learned that uh, to cut the fluoride, I don't have fluoride in my toothpaste. I make sure I uh, don't drink, uh, you know, tap water, water. unless I, uh, you know, have it uh, treated and so forth. Yeah, what's, what's fascinating about the pineal gland, um, you, like melatonin, you know, people take to, if they have sleep troubles, especially if they travel, mm -hmm. um, has an effect on pineal gland, but so does DMT, dimethyltryptamine, which is uh, the psychedelic that's a partial ingredient in ayahuasca, the, the psychedelic plant from South and Central America. So, you know, a lot of religious and spiritual traditions recognize uh, either through plants or meditation or various practices of opening that part of the, the brain, the mind. It's fascinating. Absolutely. Yeah. You're, you're very uh, wide in your reading as well. Yeah. So I obviously don't use drugs. Uh, I don't recommend using drugs to uh, awaken uh, that side of yourself. You can awaken it naturally. So um, the meditation, like we're talking about, is mm -hmm. a natural way to do it. And uh, like, I, like, I mean, you, you've heard my accounts. Yep. Whether you believe them or not, I mean, I, I could bring forth, you know, a, a lot of guys that said, yeah, Mike Jaco, he is the real thing. So, I mean, that, I do have, you know, these, these abilities, and most of that is from, you know, recognizing my pineal gland, focusing on it, the meditations and so forth, the fasting. Since you have this uh, capacity, besides teaching it to others, do you, do you ever work with individuals, um, not to teach them how to use it, but using your own abilities? to guide them, like as a coach slash therapist type person, spiritual guide of sorts? I've helped a lot of people over time. Um, a lot of them have become very successful. Um, I like to do this. It's, it's very rewarding. I like to see people that, I mean, if, if you have the desire, you're going to advance. That is the one key thing. If you have a desire and a belief that this can actually happen, uh, you're going to open the door to this. It's everyone has it. Everyone has this capability. Uh, it's it's in in most in us, uh, and we can tap into it. So yeah, I've I've done this uh, quite a bit. Uh, haven't actually offered it yet on my website, but I I plan to uh, offer uh, counseling sessions eventually in the future. Oh good. Right good. now, uh, the two day course that I'm offering here in Lake Tahoe on the eighth and ninth of May. Uh, from there, I'll build on that. Eighth uh, or ninth of May. That's your that's your next offering. Yes. Cool. Uh, how often do you have your uh, two days? Uh, right now, it's, this is this will be the first one, and then after that, I'm going to do uh, probably one every three to four months. So I'll probably do another one in uh, September, uh, second weekend in September, and then build on it. Uh, once people are really start to get hold of this information and want want more of it, I'll travel you know all over the country and then possibly all over the world. Fantastic. That, that's great. Well, I definitely wish you much less and success. Uh, I think uh, people, many, many, if not most, if not all people benefit from this kind of training. It can definitely improve their lives, both for safety reasons, you know, like you suggest in terms of some of your own stories, but also in terms of just being more authentic and developed and whole human beings. Um, can you give us your website one more time? Yes, it's www.unleashing.com intuition.com. Great. Thank you, Michael. All right. Thank you, Michael.